Hi, party people. You're listening to a podcast called Big G Sugar. That's the dumbest name I've ever heard. That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of Big Chief Sugar. I am your host, Greg Deal. We are on episode four. Um, there's a couple of things uh, I wanted to get into before you know, the, the main event of the podcast. Um, one is is that I did an uh, interview with Irene Bedard um, that that literally talks about her um, being Disney's Pocahontas, among other things, um, because she's uh, she's won a Golden Globe. She's been in a lot of beloved movies, and she's recognizable in Indian country um, and also outside of Indian country. But one of the most uh, iconic roles that she's played. Um, is Disney's Pocahontas and it's an incredibly, um, it's an incredibly complicated thing. And, uh, the reason why I'm uh, waiting just a little bit is because I'm trying to figure out how to articulate, um, what that is Uh, for, for indigenous people in particular, um, these types of things, uh, stereotypes and, uh, um, I don't know, the, this, this sort of Western understanding of indigenous people through popular culture and media um, is a really hard thing to deal with, but it's also something that's incredibly complicated. Um, a lot of native people get really pissed off about it and just want to hate it outright, which is completely understandable. And And, and I would even consider myself to be among... Uh, among that school of thought. Um, but in this podcast and in my my regular life as well, I'm trying to find some places that are, um, I don't know, digestible, I suppose is a good word for it. I, I You know, I'm realizing that there are some people that, um, that maybe just don't understand or, or don't think about those things or don't understand the perspective. I mean, we live in a world that is almost wholeheartedly uh, just a Western perspective. We all speak English. Uh, we all, you know, understand American history. There's even on some level a basis of understanding of the importance of America sort of throughout the entire world, which of course manifests itself in a lot of different ways. Um, and, and, I'm trying to navigate uh, this space with the podcast and also in my life, um, trying to think through things besides myself. And and while I believe that issues that indigenous people face um, are incredibly important, paramount even, to the things that are happening in our country and on all aspects, uh, which doesn't, it doesn't necessarily seem obvious to a lot of people that that would even matter. Um, and I also think that, uh, as we, as native people are progressing and as we are building a vernacular that helps us articulate the things that matter to us most that, um, I don't know that, that we're, trying to figure out how to reconcile those things. And and I'll be honest with you, there's there's some Native people that don't like that. There's some non-Native people that don't like that. Um, there's some folks that are uh, confused by it, and there's some folks that are open to it. Um, this is not to justify or to even placate those that believe 
uh, harshly or think or feel harshly towards um, colonialism, towards popular culture, towards the um, appropriation and the reappropriation of indigenous image and likeness and spirituality and the omission of indigenous uh, existence and history. I mean, this is not to admit any of that, but instead to um, create a conversation that might be able to exist in a lay person's uh, realm that they could understand this on even just a basic level. Um, so please forgive me as I try to navigate this because I want to do uh, right by Irene who took the time to talk to me. And I also want to do right um, in terms of how I want to carry things like this that I think are incredibly important and incredibly uh, difficult. And uh, I don't know, I, you know, I take this, this kind of stuff seriously. So um, I expect that podcast to be really important um, and to probably be the next episode or the episode after that. Um, but uh, right now, I'm looking at the state of things in our country. Um, there was some shootings on uh, this weekend, um, which sounds terrible and also just really basic. I mean, it, it seems to be, it's such a normal thing now, you know, and, and so awful and terrible and, you know, it's, it, it's so complicated and, uh, I've had to get off of social media a bit because, um, people are talking about it and, and people are going on and on about it and rightly so. Um, I, I think it's, it's incredibly complicated and it's incredibly disheartening and upsetting and trying to um, figure out how to deal with these things. I, I just saw in uh, New York City in Times Square a uh, motorcycle backfired and made that popping noise that backfiring vehicles make and um, everybody freaked out and they just started running for their lives and and it's just strange. It's really strange to look at that and to hear about that and to think that like that that's where we're at. Um, <clears throat> I have a lot of opinions, <laughs> as I'm sure all of you do uh, as well. Um, but there's been something on my mind that's a little bit lighter uh, that I wanted to share that um, my hope is not to distract from those things that are important, but to perhaps... Uh, tell a story that would that would um, um, be uh, outlet or safe haven away from those things, even if just for you know ten or fifteen minutes. Um, there's a lot of things that we have to navigate right now, whether it's you know politics or social issues, and uh, people of color in general are having to navigate even more um, um, on top of all of that, and. Um, I think that stuff is, it's incredibly hard and it's, uh, complex and, um, I don't know what to say. I don't think a lot of people know what to say. I mean, some people of course know what to say. I, I, I went to Walmart today, um, only cause Walmart's the closest grocery store to where I live. I sort of live in a rural, uh, part of Colorado, um, and so anyways, I'm, I'm, we're my family, we're in the middle of moving right now, which is 
a lot. Uh, the fact that I'm doing this and probably should be packing, uh, <laughs> to tell you kind of what's going on is just trying to work and trying to maintain these things while, um, while trying to pack for a house that we're going to need to move into in a week and a half. And I'm not complaining because, um, because I feel incredibly fortunate that we get to move into the house that we're moving into, uh, and the circumstances under which we get to do it. But, uh, we still have to, you know, we're, we're renting, so we still have to clean the house that we're in. And, uh, you know, I have five kids and, uh, we've been here for four years and, and that is a, uh, an arduous task. But, um, I, I digress. I went into Walmart today and, uh, just went to go pick up, you know, some groceries and, um, nothing crazy, just a couple things. And I walk in and, um, where I live is, uh, incredibly white, uh, which is not to be divisive, but, uh, to illustrate that, um, that anybody who is, is not a, uh, a, a white person tends to stand out. Um, and, and it's also just a very strange culture in that way, um, because I live out in a rural area, so it's, it's very conservative. Um, and it's also very, um, I don't know, kind of farmish. It's, 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 it's an interesting space is all I'm trying to say. Um, anyways, I see this guy and, um, he's an older gentleman, maybe late fifties, uh, early sixties. And he's walking with, um, who I assume was probably his partner. Uh, and he had a cane. Um, he wasn't fully, uh, disabled as far as I could tell, but maybe ailing, um, of some kind, a uh, little heavy set, um, short, uh, not, not, uh, no big stature. Um, I mean, my kids might call him a dork. You know, he had his keys hanging right off his belt, <laughs> like whatever. Um, but the other thing that he also had on his belt is, uh, he had a Glock in a holster on his belt. He was wearing it on his person, um, an open carry, uh, which is not totally uncommon to see here in Colorado. Um, but for some reason it still shocks me. And, and I'll be honest, like I don't really have anything against guns per se. I have some problems with gun culture. Um, you know, I grew up around that stuff, but you know, to, to see somebody carrying this thing on themselves in a public place, in a place like Walmart and, um, and, and realizing that just a few days before that there was a mass shooting in El Paso, uh, that in, in a Walmart of all places, um, gosh, it just, it, it left a bad taste in my mouth and, and looking at this person and without being too judgmental, um, he, he's only carrying that thing for one of two reasons. He's carrying it because he's, because he's a, because he's a jerk. Um, and, and I've already decided I'm not swearing on this podcast, so anybody can listen to it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, he is either carrying it because he's a jerk because he's just an insensitive jerk that doesn't care what other people think and wants to make his big, bold statement or because he's scared. And I just, I appreciate somebody being scared, but I feel like if you're that scared, like, I don't know, maybe just stay home. Um, so with that and, uh, with the news and with everything else, you know, this has obviously been a tough news cycle since 2016, if, if not way before that. Um, I wanted to tell a story today that was completely different and completely off the beaten path. 
Uh, and that is uh, the story about my very first concert. Um, got a quick commercial and then we'll jump into it. All right, welcome back. All right, so my first concert. Well, that doesn't sound like anything major, right? It just sounds like whatever. Uh, but I grew up in Utah. Um, I grew up in Park City, Utah, which is a ski resort town. Um, but it's also a small town. My graduating class is about 100 people. And um, so there was a small group of us that were a very small group of us that were skateboarders and snowboarders. And um, we at the time, I mean, this is in the you know early 90s, uh, late 80s, early 90s, you know, we were wearing baggy pants, uh, which at the time was, I mean, compared to now is not baggy at all. But um, <laughs> we were into um, punk rock and hip hop. Um, we would watch your own TV raps, and then late at night we would watch uh, Headbangers Ball. And you know, this was the kind of stuff that we were into. Um, I love hip hop. I love, love, love hip hop. Um, but punk rock always spoke to me, and uh, and I believe that that both of these things, on one level or another, um, saved my life. In fact, I think that punk rock really um, was a was a huge and key factor in that. Um, nevertheless, uh, my first concert was, um, was a rap concert. Um, one of the bands that really influenced me, uh, is public enemy and public enemy. Uh, it influenced me because it was the first major political and social and cultural piece of, uh, music that I consciously knew was those things. Fight the Power, you know, the album Fear of a Black Planet, uh, 911's a Joke, like all of these different things that really spoke to the experience of being black in America. And um, and there's a number of things that jump-started me into uh, a realm of consciousness. And I'll tell you, uh, The Public Enemy was one of those things. My first concert was Public Enemy, and it was in Salt Lake City, Utah. And, uh, the reason why I say that this is funny is because Utah is, uh, is an overwhelmingly white state <laughs> and, and I don't say that to be disparaging. It just is. And it was uh, a shock to me. The public enemy was going to come to Salt Lake city. It, the main reason why something like that would be shocking is because public enemy was considered to be militant and considered to be very divisive. And the only reason why they were coming to Salt Lake city that, that I could tell, I mean, it's a major city and bands came to Salt Lake city, but, uh, they were on tour with anthrax because they did a uh, collaboration for bring the noise, um, which is both rap and, and, you know, rock or, or metal or whatever you want to call it. And anthrax for us was, um, anthrax was on the line. They, they weren't punk rock. They weren't hardcore. Uh, but they were definitely within that realm, you know, kind of skate rock, if you will. And, uh, but we were going to see public enemy and we were okay with anthrax. And when I say we, um, I, I'm trying to remember who went, um, I know that my, my best friend Coleman went, um, and he was a dude that, that I skated with and spent probably the most time with. And, um, <laughs> so we went 
and uh, I don't know what to what to expect. I mean, I you know, there's this there's this whole um, there's this whole series on fear of a black planet where um, this guy calls into a radio and he's talking about how offended he was by this group that uh, they had all these uh, soldiers walking around with fake Uzis and he was just appalled by it. Um, And maybe I'll play a little excerpt on here if I can pull it off. But, um, but I wasn't, I guess I wasn't really sure what to expect. Um, I know that, that, uh, a lot of people in Utah probably weren't going to be too stoked about it, but you know, whatever you're, we're in high school and we were just like, just excited to go. Uh, so we drive down. Um, I want to say that it was at the Salt Palace, which is where the Utah jazz play and where, um, a couple of other sporting events goes, it's their arena. And, uh, and we went and, (laughs) um, we walk in and so we're like baseball cap, t-shirt wearing, you know, baggy jeans and skate shoes, having, uh, high schoolers. And, um, I, I, if I remember right, I think there was like four or five of us all together, but I only remember Coleman. Um, and we walk in and realize that we've walked into the middle of this thing that we, I don't think any of us were expecting. Basically the audience were hairband folks. Like they were, you know, wearing like spandex and that were ripped and they had the big hair and like, it was like the sort of motley crew, like poison kind of, you know, crowd, um, which in Utah was this really strange dichotomy of being like hairband music, you know, guns and roses and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but it was also like that style was also mixed with, I don't want to say white trash, but, but like sort of this whole cowboy mentality. And so there was a lot of drinking and there was a lot of fighting even for, for Utah. And so these people, these guys, like they hated us and, and likewise we hated them. There was this strange sort of social hierarchy. It was like the cowboys and then it was like the skaters and the punkers. And, and then it was like the ska kids and the new wavers. And then there was like the goths. And so there was all these like social classes. It was, it was a lot like, um, it was a lot like breakfast club, you know, or, or pretty in pink where like in the eighties where there's all these social classes and nobody really mixes together and each one has their own problem and they fight and do whatever. So, so we show up in the middle of this thing and it's all these, like these dudes with big hair and like ripped spandex and women who are wearing like, you know, tube dresses that are also ripped, like on the side with also with big hair and, and, uh, gaudy makeup. And just, it was, it was, it was strange, but we, and we were so out of place. They were there clearly to see, uh, anthrax. So, um, I believe that public enemy came on first. And so the lights go down and, and we're sort of stuck in this pocket. There's nobody else there that is, that is like us that we've seen. And so we're just kind of like trying not to get into trouble, trying not to get our, our, uh, to get the crap kicked out of us. So we, um, kind of huddle into this spot where, you know, our seats were near the soundboard. Um, and all of a sudden the lights go down and then all of a sudden you can hear the DJ Terminator X. He like 
starts doing his thing and then um, the spotlights come on and he's on this huge pedestal and the pedestal is like a big gigantic square. I mean, it's, it's probably eight or nine feet tall and uh, he's on top of it with, you know, the turntables and it's the big public enemy symbol and people straight up started booing. <laughs> people didn't know what to do with it. And then all of a sudden you hear Flavor Flav. He comes out and he's like, yeah, boy. And then uh, and then Chuck D's you know, deep commanding voice comes out and he starts doing his thing. And then I remembered, I totally forgot that this would happen. But then all of a sudden I'm sitting there and uh, who starts marching out but the S1Ws? Um, so the S1Ws, which which actually uh, stands for Security of the First World, they they have this sort of representation of uh, of being a black man that is like intelligent and strong, and and so the whole setup is like kind of militant like they're marching um they're like well formed and they're like wearing clothing that sort of looks like um that sort of looks militaristic and everything and 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 i mean it's strange but it you know people start seeing like uh people start seeing you know black men dressed up in this way um, and they freak out. They see like, you know, U.S. military and everybody's like, oh, look, it's just the military. But like, it just had this whole thing attached to it. And people are booing and they're pissed and we're just like all about it. And uh, man, Chuck D, he didn't care, man. He was out there and, and Flava Flav, they were out there just doing their thing and hurting feelings and just they had had no no craps to give. And it was incredible. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen. And then, of course, they did their duet, their uh, you know collaboration of "Bring the Noise" with um, with Anthrax, which like you see it on video and you hear the music, and it's super cool. Um, and we were really excited about it in the moment. And then when they were done, um, it's kind of like, okay, crap, we got to get out of here. <laughs> like it, we were just so freaked out about it. Um, we, we managed to meet Flavor Flav just briefly, uh, which was really funny with his big clock around his neck and, um, he, his act on the stage is, I don't think really an act. I think that's actually how he is. Cause that's how he was with us. And that was kind of funny. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that was my first concert. Um, it, it, you know, I've always had a love of music. I grew in a household, grew up in a household that there was an incredible love of music, but um, to be able to see this music, this music that shaped me, this music that has um, that has helped me figure some things out about myself um, was just so eye opening, you know, because it's so loud and it's so like in your face and it's real. And it was just the coolest thing. Like, I just have the best memories from that. And uh, and so, yeah, that was my first concert. Yeah, I, I I recognize that this might be a little bit different than anybody's expecting for, you know, episode four. Um, but these types of things like music and writing and film, um, these artistic mediums have uh, come to shape a lot of who I am and where I am and, and what I think uh, and have helped me navigate this world, you know, at a time and a place like where I grew up. Um, I mean, every kid feels like they're on the outs when they're in high school, even the popular kids. Uh, but you know, I, these things for me, um, were just life-saving and just incredibly uh, important to me. 
as a young man, as a young native man, trying to figure out where I fit in with everything. Um, so I was always grateful to Chuck D. I was always grateful to, uh, to that music and, um, you know, the sort of revival of the words of Malcolm X and, uh, which was like a huge thing, right. In the, in the eighties and into the nineties is like, you know, the African colors and the big, and the big black X, you know, that stuff, that stuff was, uh, really scary for folks. And that stuff really resonated with me. I just thought it was the coolest, um, and you know, it's, it's funny because years later, you know, I, I have a Twitter account. I don't ever use it hardly. Um, but, but Chuck D followed me on Twitter and, uh, sent me a message and, um, uh, and said, Hey, you know, thanks for, thanks for following me blah, blah, blah. And, and I went on Twitter and was like, Oh dude, like Chuck D followed me and I got this message. It's probably automated. Like Chuck D is not going around and sending messages to his followers. Like that's not happening. Um, and then Chuck D responded. He's like, no, it's really me. And I was like, Oh damn. And, uh, and so that was like my little brush, uh, with that again later on. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that was it. That's the story I wanted to share with you guys, uh, something that was maybe, um, a little bit off the beat of, you know, what the, what the ticker is saying today on CNN and MSNBC and Fox news and whatever else you're listening to or watching. And, um, and that, uh, these other things, which at the time I think seemed really divisive to people that people were really scared of it. Um, but these other things, uh, have been a beacon of light for people throughout their lives. And, uh, so I would encourage all of you that are, you know, in your, uh, late thirties or, um, forties or fifties to dig through your record collection and dig out that music, uh, that, that album that speaks to you and, uh, listen to something old and just remember why that stuff speaks to you and how important that stuff is. Um, and until then, uh, I don't know, let me know how it goes. Um, you could find me on, uh, and big chief sugar on, uh, big chief sugar.us. Um, I am on Instagram with a, an account that is, uh, kind of making its way. Um, it's big chief sugar podcast on Instagram. Um, nothing on any other social media formats right now, but you can email me at uh, big chief sugar podcast at, uh, gmail.com. Um, you know, if you have questions or if you have comments, I'm, we're on, I mean, big chief sugars on every format right now from Spotify to Apple, uh, podcasts and more. Um, so, uh, in fact, on Apple podcasts, you can leave a rating and you can even leave a, leave a review if, uh, if you like what you're hearing and you know, you say something that, that actually helps me out. Um, and, uh, yeah, I like hearing from you if you have any comments. Um, and you know, there's always a chance I'll read something on the air. There's always a chance that if I get hate that, uh, I'll also read that on the air. <laughs> Um, but I got nothing love for you. Uh, nothing but love for you. I appreciate you all listening. Um, hope that you're having a great week and, uh, we'll see you in episode five. Take care.